Please sit comfortably. So good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone online. Um, I just want to say a few words tonight on a, 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 an issue that we, we probably have all struggled with in our life in some way, and that is around um, the, the precept of not harbouring anger. Um, the whole precept is not harbouring anger but forgiving, but we'll just deal with the, the not harbouring anger aspect of it. Um, it get, anger can be a very uh, challenging emotion for all of us and uh, it's important that we kind of understand um, the nature of it quite clearly because as an emotion, um, anger often gets a lot of bad press and it gets bad press from Buddhists too who um, only seem to understand the precept in a very literal kind of way. But our modern psychological neuroscientific understanding of anger is that we have <coughs> hardwired into us um, a fight-flight instinct um, which is necessary for our survival in the world. Um, it's located, not that anything's located in one ear or in your brain, but it's very much associated with uh, to two, two uh, areas in the brain back here called the amygdala, um, one in the right hemisphere and one in the left hemisphere. And that's often considered to be your, your fight-flight mechanism. When we get angry, um, the fight side of our amygdala is triggered. And, um, and it may be triggered for good reason or not a good reason, you know. Um, but when we feel under threat in any way or someone or something that we care about is under threat in some way, it gets triggered off. Um, and if we didn't have it, um, we wouldn't survive. You know, um, animals in the wild wouldn't survive if they didn't have that fight mechanism. They wouldn't survive if they had a flight, didn't have a flight one either. And um, <clears throat> when they do research on rats, I know that's not a very good Buddhist experiment, but when they do experiments with rats and they remove their amygdala, they just become very listless and indifferent. And, um, and being indifferent is not the same as being at peace. So it's a vital part of being a mammal, being an animal, that we have that mechanism inside of us. We couldn't really live or survive without it. But the problem with human beings being a thinking animal, you know, and being able to abstract um, from experience so much with concepts and language and so on, um, is that not only does that get triggered off, but we, we generate a whole lot of stories around those issues, a lot of narratives, a lot of ideologies, a lot of doctrines, a lot of thoughts around those experiences. Instead of it just being a basic survival mechanism, you know, that gets switched on and off as necessary, um, this is where in human beings it gets transformed into what we might generally call ill will. So there is the anger, which in a sense is just pure energy, but um, the degree to which we have a, um, 
uh, an egocentric sense of self, you know, was that we'll, we'll pick up anything that's a threat to us. Someone looks at us the wrong way, do you know? Doesn't even look at us the wrong way, just looks at us, do you know? And we, we're picking it up as a threat, you know, and we're, we're getting angry and making a story about why they're looking at me like that. Mm -hmm. And we then use it, you know, when we're, we're judging other people, there's an anger around judging that they're good or bad or they're a, which is usually around whether they're a threat to us or not or a perceived threat. And so when we, when we add thinking and concepts and language and ideologies in there with the mix of this fiery emotion, uh, that's when we get the, the harbouring of anger, right? Re resentment, say in particular, is the, is the harbouring of anger. And, um, and uh, it can do a lot of harm. Um, it does a lot of harm to ourselves because it's quite toxic when we harbour it. Um, but it can potentially do harm to others. So um, the Greek philosopher Aristotle said uh, words to the effect, it's easy to be angry, but to be angry with the right person at the right time, in the right manner, mm -hmm, in the right speech, is not easy. Mm -hmm. But the important aspect of anger in our life as a human being is if you don't have that feeling inside of you, um, then, or, or it's uh, over-inflammatory, uh, we have a problem. If you don't have it, if you're not in touch with it, um, you don't get that inner kind of gut feeling if someone's crossing your boundaries or, cross, or crossing the boundaries of others. You're not in touch with that inner feeling that goes, no, this is, this is not okay, you've crossed the line, I need to do something to put the boundary back in place. If you're just too passive and, and you're out of, out of touch with that, then that's not very useful, right? If it's getting triggered off all the time, particularly by your own stories, that's not very useful either. One will lead to passivity and the other one will lead to aggression. And really, when we're working well with this emotion, it's what I would call calm assertiveness, which you can think of it as like a, a middle way between it's not passive and it's not aggressive, but it's calm assertiveness. And so it's acting on that inner gut feeling that says no, but it's responding in a, a non-violent way, in a very, very clear way, you know, in terms of what needs to, to happen. So. The challenge for all of us, whether we lean towards passivity and ignoring our emotions or we're just over-inflamed with them, whichever is our style and whether we stuff it in or dump it on others, you know, our, our, our challenge is to um, skillfully use that emotion and, and transform it into calm assertiveness, whether it's in our personal life, but also if it's in public life, like with political activism and so on, um, it's in very, very important that we act um, with calm assertiveness. Um, on the weekend, Diana and I went to a, um, a local um, little political rally up in Palm Beach where the government wants to turn Barrenjoey Lighthouse into a commercial B&B and um, a lot of the residents are opposed to it. And the connection with what I'm talking about 
is that it was a, a really wonderful group of people who were mature people, concerned about the environment, was light-hearted. But the, one of the speakers kept saying all the time, maintain the rage. <laughs> Remember that, you know, maintain the rage. And, and so he's speaking to what I'm saying here. Like, it, no one was angry, no one was aggressive, but we need to go, no, this is not okay. You know, the community needs to be consulted on this and we need to have our say. And uh, without, that, without that anger, you wouldn't do anything. You know? It's all very well to have these um, spiritual feelings of love and nurturing kindness and everything, and yes, you need that. If you care about the environment, that's very important, and you love it. But if, but if you, if you want to save the environment, if you want to save the world from where it's going, you know, with global warming and and um, extinction of wildlife and pollution and all of the the breakdown that's occurring, sadly, um, it's not enough just to have these feel-good feelings of loving everything. Um, that means acting on it and and it's activated through anger you want to fight for something that you love or that you want to protect so if you're if you consider yourself a buddhist it's okay to be angry right um it's just how you how you direct it and how you manifest that that energy but what is a good when we think that it's really not the the basic biology that's the problem that's all the thinking that we bring to it a very simple practice, which I've practiced with myself with this, but I, I introduce it to my clients quite a lot, and it seems to be effective for a lot of people. If you, it's just basically labeling. If, you, if you're driving along in your car and someone nearly smashes into you and you start to get really angry about it, you can go into all kind of fantasies, you know, revenge fantasies and things. But if you, have a commitment to labelling the thinking that goes along with it after the initial trigger. And instead of going along, keeping the fantasy going, keeping the narrative going, you just simply label, you come back into the body, you experience fully, mindfully, the anger in the body, and you go right into the epicentre of it, like go right into the most intense part. Breathe with it. Just stay with it for a while. It takes about five, ten minutes for the adrenaline to, to you know, drain out of your body. And then you calm again, right? and you can let it go. But when you do this, it becomes when you do this as a practice, it becomes so crystal clear to you from your own personal experience that the more you keep the thinking going around an incident, and the more you keep the fantasy, it's like oxygen to the fire. It just keeps it inflamed and keeps it going and going and going. Um, and if you starve the fire of oxygen, it goes out. Mm-hmm. It calms down. And in those those circumstances, when like, okay, okay, my first commitment is to let's get out of the thinking into the body. And it's like I have a commitment to myself. When I'm calm, then I'll act. And by the time I'm calm, it's just let it go. <laughs> Sometimes I might want to act on it if it's appropriate to, but it's kind of it's gone. Move on, drive on. Mm-hmm. But if you do that practice over and over again, um, like I said, it becomes crystal clear to you how much the thinking drives the inappropriate anger that gets inflamed. 
some people in, um, particularly when I'm doing couple therapy, some but people have various different ways in which they express anger. So for some people, it's, they've got very hot tempered, you know, very explosive, and some people have got cold anger, you know, which is really scary as well. Not know which one's worse, but but they they can be both scary. Um, but often the um, the explosive people think, oh well, that, you know, I'm just venting and I get it out of my system and I feel fine afterwards, you know, it's all gone. But the other person's just left devastated, you know, by the angry outburst, you know. But that's okay, I'm feeling fine. You know, sort of very, it can be very egocentric in, in the way of dealing with that. But a lot of explosive people, they think that they, it just sort of comes out and they haven't thought about anything beforehand, it just sort of happened in the moment. But I don't believe them, <laughs> quite frankly. You can see how people who hold on to anger think about it and mull over it. But often people who are explosive, they're going over certain things all the time in their everyday life. It's like a rumination. And the rumination is like the 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 bullets are being made, they've been loaded into the gun, you know, and they're they're on a hair trigger. And the next thing happens, bang. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like there's a lot of thinking behind it. But I believe there is, you know. So whatever we've all got different um, personal styles in which we deal with anger. Um, but whatever that style is, just keep paying close attention to the belief thoughts, the attitudes, the stories that feed it. Let it go. You're not suppressing anger. Suppressing anger would be trying to push it away. When you bring mindfulness right into the very centre of it, you're not suppressing your anger. You're just paying attention to it. There's a big difference between containment of anger and suppression of anger. It's containing it there so you can experience it. So they're all the, the, the useful ways for actually working on this precept. It's important, I think, with all of the precepts that we're not just moralistic and say, well, be, just be more generous or just don't be angry. And we've actually got to develop the skills in which we can actually process these things in a, in a wiser way.